McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Poppy fans and welcome to the A Forecast episode 95. Well Pompey are now out of the EFL trophy, out of the FA Cup, but now we can focus on the league. Joining me on the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you Andy? Living the dream, thank you Huey. Nice to be back mate. Are you good? I'm good mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, looking forward to Pompey signing some fantastic players in January and pushing us forward. Exactly. And it's nice not to be weighed down by those pesky cup runs, isn't it? It's, it's it's a good feeling. It's like a weight off your shoulders. Do you know what? It's a, it's particularly good, especially when you can't go to any of these potential amazing draws away from home because of COVID-19. Exactly. It's the best thing that could have happened, to be honest, mate. It's just, it saves us heartbreak down the line, doesn't it? So, uh... I love a night out in Bristol. Could have put that, put that out there. Absolutely love it. And obviously couldn't go to the Bristol City away game. So another away tie like that would have just been torture for my soul. There's a there's a bar there on a boat. I can't remember what it's called. I've been clubbing there on a well a couple it's of times. A barge, I think, isn't it? Is it a bar? No, like I swear it's a bigger boat. It's not a barge. No, I mean this isn't really relevant. But no, it's not. Yeah, it would have been a decent evening out actually. But you know, can't win them all. <laughs> not at all. All right, let's get into it. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Bristol. Following on from that, we're going to review the game briefly against Peterborough. And then uh, we'll put a question out there for you guys. And we want to know in this vital time in January, is this Pompey squad, as it's constructed right now, capable of getting promoted automatically? And if not, how many players do we need to add? And just to finish off the podcast, we're going to preview the game against rudderless Fleetwood. All right, Andy, let's talk about Bristol first. It was a game that I thought overall it was a good performance. I was really impressed with the movement against a pretty good, you know, top of the table, well, top of the top half of the championship anyway, sort of uh, side. The result did not really re- uh, reflect the game, did it? It was a little bit of quality at the end. Yeah, I think you could argue that both teams could come away feeling like they could have won the game, should have won the game. I think if we had won, you'd have said it would have been a fair result. And as it was, I don't think you could say it was an unfair result because they did create some good chances, uh, Bristol City. And yeah, I, th- I think it was one of those games that can go either way. On this occasion, we came out on the wrong side of it. But the fact we're saying that about a match against the team in the league above um, is, yeah, it's a, it's a compliment to the eleven who started the game. Um, as you say, the movement was good. It was quite quick, nice, attractive football. We were finding space moving forward. Lee Brown found a lot of space on the left to deliver balls into the box. We created chances, just didn't quite, yeah, capitalise those split seconds. Whereas Bristol City, yeah, they missed a couple of chances as well, but they sort of created their their half chances 
out of nowhere and yes, yeah, score their two goals with moments of quality. So I think it was, yeah, I don't really have anything negative about the game as a whole. I think the team, yeah, they, they played well and this doesn't seem like a sort of game where it's fair to sit here and criticise because, yeah, they were playing against a team in the league above. They gave a very good account of themselves. Yeah, no complaints really. Could have gone either way. We came out on the wrong side of it this time. Is what it is. Move on. I mean, we're going to talk later on about whether or not the squad is as it is at the moment, whether it could compete at the championship level. But that's a, a good indicator of how things went at the weekend. Yeah, massively. I'm going to say that I think you're being a bit too nice on Bristol. I think that, yes, the game could have gone either way. It was a, it was a tight game either way in that sense. But I really thought in that second half, their chances were really, really limited by Pompey, who got on the front foot, who pressed high, who passed the ball around nicely. I, I didn't really see the goal that Bristol City really scored coming, to be honest. I mean, I know the commentary wasn't great, let's be honest. It was, I think it was only one bloke on his own, on the FA Cup player. So being somebody who talks into a microphone, I do feel bad for the man. But they were all agreeing with us, I think, that it looked like Pompey with the team to get the goal. Is it the golf in quality, though, Andy, between League One and the Championship with players that just shows that little bit of extra class to get that goal from nowhere? Or would, is it just a case of it was just a bit unlucky on Pompey's behalf? I think you see it quite a lot in the FA Cup when a team in the Premiership plays a team in the Championship or a team in the Championship plays a team in League One. Whereas, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit of a sucker punch, isn't it? It's that individual moment. And I agree with you in the second half that the we look the more likely side to score. I think, yeah, the, the chances I'm referring to would more, would more be in the first half where Bristol City played some reasonably nice football, as did Pompey. Uh, second half, you'd say at 1-1, we were the more... If you'd asked me at 80 or 75 minutes who was the more likely team to go on and win, I would have said Pompey. But yeah, as you say, it's it's a bit of a sucker punch, that, that goal from Chris Martin. Absolutely banging finish, fair play. Yeah, it's that sort of split second taking those half chances on a on a higher regularity than teams in League One. And, you know, that's why or it's one of the reasons we're a League One side and they're a championship side because they've got that ounce more quality in the final third when it really counts, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about players that really impressed. I'm going to go into look at Andy Cannon. Now, Andy Cannon is a player who's been impressing, getting better and better, I think, as the season goes along. He looks more and more comfortable there with Tom Naylor. But not just so the fact that he's matching up with Naylor. He's really come into his own, as we know, and if you look at some of the stats, and Freddie's not here, so I've, I've had a little look at them myself, a little glance. If you look at the amount of successful tackles Ports have made in the game, um, was counted at 16. Andy Cannon made seven of those tackles. So not only did he go and get the get the uh, assist, you know, he made that lovely dribble into the box, played it past and cut it back for Callum Johnson for the goal, but he was the sort of the engine room in the centre of midfield. And it just showed that he could really stand up to championship quality in the middle of the park there and really assert himself. Andy, what did you think about Andy Cannon's performance? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we we frequently say very similar things when talking about his performances on the podcast, to be honest with you. Um, he's really grown into that role because he was almost on the fringes a bit um, in the sort of the early stages of, of last season. Um, and then, yeah, he's just completely stamped down that central midfield role for himself. And you'd say he's one of the first players on the uh, on the team sheet now. Yeah, I, I don't know what there is to add that we haven't really said before, Hugh, because he is, he's that engine room. I think that's a, a good good way of putting it. He drives forward, uh, allows us to quickly break. And in this new exciting era of 4-4-2, where we try and move the ball quickly on the floor, his style of play fits in so much better with that than it did into the, the sort of the 4-2-3-1 
he just fits in naturally into four four two. The formation change has really benefited him, and he's benefited as a whole as a result. And you can see as well, um, Andy Cannon alongside Ryan Williams, I thought had a pretty decent game in the sense how he moved as well, especially at the start, uh, led the team with two um, successful progressive dribbles in their half. Uh, But also, if you look at the dispossessed factors, you can see how Andy Cannon and Tom Naylor's impact on the team was. So they had 10 dispossessions, whilst Pompey only were dispossessed in possession three times. One from Marquis, one from Andy Cannon, and one from Rasmus Nikolaisen. Who's the player I'm going to come on to next? Because, Andy, he did struggle, didn't he, against championship strikers out front there. And do you feel it's just a, a bit of a lack of game time and just getting used to it for, for Rasmus Nikolaisen? Or do you think it's just one of those, did he have an off game? Or is this something we should be concerned about going forward? I don't think it's something we need to be particularly concerned about going forward. Uh, everyone is going to have games where, you know, they don't hit that 10 out of 10. That is what it is. I think he is, well, for me, the the starting second back pairing and you wouldn't have caught me saying this sort of a few months ago when we were chatting with Jonty about it or at the moment for me the starting centre-back pairing would be Raggett and Watmore but I think Nick Larson is more than capable of stepping in I think it is a step up in terms of quality he's a young player this is the first time he's played against higher league opposition in a Pompey shirt that I'm aware of I'm not sure if he played against West Ham under-21s but they were obviously pretty junior um, that doesn't count that doesn't count all of this is valuable experience if we're looking at it sort of on the hopeful side that there is the potential for getting promoted this year, which is what we're all holding on to as usual, these sort of odd 90 minutes sort of add up in terms of experience. You have to be that half a yard quicker, half a second faster. You don't necessarily have to be. You can get away with more in League One. I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I think having one bad 45 minutes where you get booked, look like getting sent off and then get subbed for your own good, that doesn't define you in any way. It happens to everyone and it's how you bounce back from it. And he's a young, promising defender. The thing about having young players is they're going to be a bit more inconsistent potentially. And you know that I mean, when you're playing when you're playing the younger players on your side. Yeah, no, massively. And I think the thing is though that Jack Watmore comes on. I'm like, all right, good move, Kenny. You know, ticking the box. I think that's a good move. As the ref said, he might get sent off. Jack comes on. The man looks assured, doesn't he? And I don't know if it was the right timing for him to have the TV cameras swing around as he's blasting the, the smelling salts. I don't know if you noticed on the television, but he was just stood there with the smelling salts and the guy was getting him ready and he was just getting ready, pumping himself up. I was like, right, beast mode Jack Watmore is coming on. He comes <laughs> onto the pitch, yeah, and he does assert himself, doesn't he? And Bristol City look a lot less dangerous. I'm really good, glad to see that Jack's back. But as you said, Rasmus Nikolaisen looked pretty good against Hull with Raggett at the back, which makes you feel pretty comfortable at the moment for the three of them on a rotating basis. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have so many games in such a short space of time. Realistically, one of them is either going to get injured or we're going to be needing to rotate anyway. And yeah, I'd be happy with generally two out of the three of them. Um, ideally, yeah, as I say, what more would be in those in that two. But yeah, I think we're in, in decent shape in centre-back now. Indeed. So we're confident with the three at the back there. We'll move on quickly from the Bristol game because it's not too relevant now for where we're going forward. We're out the FA Cup. We're moving on to the EFL trophy. Woohoo. And Rasmus Nikolaisen is ever happy with. Raggett happy with. Jack Watmore happy with. However, there's one man I'm not happy with and it's the guy I gave one out of ten at the season review at the end of last season. It's not going up. It's going down. Paul Downing. What a performance that was against uh, Peterborough. Andy, if we can ship the man out, we should. 
if we do ship him out, do you think we should be looking to get another centre-back in? I don't think he's a League One centre-back. There were a couple of sort of rabbit-in-the-headlight moments in the Peterborough game. One particular one, when we were 1-0 down, um, I think it was. And it was basically Turnbull made up for the, you know, you, you think he would have done, he should have done better with the first goal, but he did sign to make up for that with this, with this save after downing somehow contrived to create a, quite a good chance for Peterborough from us having possession across the back four in our own box. Not still not entirely sure how that happened, having walked back a couple of times. Poor first touch, poor second touch, trip over isn't like the three things you want to do to, to guarantee success. It, it ties in again with what we said to Jonty quite a while ago on the podcast when we were talking about Sean Raggett and just that over the course of the season, feel like potentially an individual is going to cost you, even if it's just two points over the course of a season. The margins are really small. And when it's PPG last year, and hopefully not, but it could be again this year, looking at where things are going and how football is at the moment, those two points are literally the difference between promotion and losing on penalties in the playoff semi-final. I mean, ideally, I don't think he's going to be playing League One. He's a professional footballer who wants to play 90 minutes. He's going to want first-team action. So I don't see the point of him staying either from the Portsmouth side of things or from his point. Um, so yeah, I, it would be good to free up a squad space, that reasoning. Um, whether or not we need another centre-back, I don't think it's the priority. Nicolas and Raggett, what more can, can do the job between the three of them? Worst case scenario, someone like Naylor can fall back into that position or Bolton can play in that position. I don't think it's the main priority for me. Cool. Right now I've got that off my chest. We'll look at the rest of the game. I thought it was a good shout from Kenny Jacket actually to rest the amount of players uh, he did against Peterborough. You know, Peterborough went the really strong side against us and we made 10 changes, only keeping Rasmus Nikolaisen on, as well as rotating the goalkeepers partway through. Did you feel a little bit bad for old uh, for Turnbull? No, I don't think so. I, I imagine it was agreed before the game. I don't it wasn't a case of oh, you've conceded four, off you come. Um You'd say that the first goal could have done better with, but as I say, made up with that by bailing Downing out. So it sort of that evens out for me. And then free kick from Johnson Clark Harris, no expectation of him to save that. Um, third goal, I think the the blame lies more with the defensive line rather than the goalkeeper. I think potentially Bolton could have been stronger. Easy for me to say that from my armchair, but um, I think potentially you, you, you can't blame uh, Turnbull for that. And then the fourth one is touch and go. I mean, some people will claim that Turnbull should have come for the low cross. I've watched it back a few times and I don't think you can really expect them to. I think Nikolaisen has lost half a yard to his runner um, who's turned it in. So yeah, I don't think Turnbull being brought off was performance-based and with goalkeepers being subbed, it's something that's normally agreed before the game. If it's going to be a youth player coming on, it was, again, it was nice to see so many youth players coming into the side, obviously. Good to see Taylor Seymour get some minutes as well. Only conceded one versus Turnbull's four. So that's a win, no. He looked good when he came on. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's harsh on turn, but I think, no. yeah, pre-agreed probably. Yeah, I'm probably just a bit Taylor Seymour biased. I've heard some good things of him down on the on the south coast and the local list. But um, okay, let's cool. Let's get into this. I'm gonna we're gonna move on from the game reviews because let's be honest, no one actually cares about us going out the cup. If you do, get over it. Focusing on the league, <laughs> Pompey fans. I put this poll out for you guys, and I said, how many new players do Pompey need to build an automatic promotion winning squad? In brackets, not including Geordie Huula, for you smart people who are going to say you can't have zero. All right, let's look at it. So looking at the poll data, Andy, 
253 people voted, which is great because I only allowed four hours before I started recording. Uh, 2% of people voted zero. So there's some urgency there, mate, from the listeners to try and get people in. 75% of people voted one to two people to get in. 20% of people voted three to four. 3% of people voted for five players or more. That is going to be madness if that happens. And uh, if you guys are happy with that, the 3%, then uh, fair enough. Thanks again for everyone who's messaged in again for this. It's really appreciated. It makes the show, I'll be honest, we've been flooded with so many people messaging in this week. We're not going to be able to get to everybody's. We're going to try and do what I'm going to call a rapid fire answer. I need to everyone's messages they've got in across Twitter, Facebook, Insta or whatever. But if we did them and just did nothing else for the whole podcast, it would basically mean doing one every sort of 10 seconds and trying to get through it. So sorry if we don't get to your question. We're going to try really hard to get to as many as possible and still allow time to preview the game against Fleetwood. So let's go, Andy. Is the current squad good enough to get promoted? Everyone's got an opinion on it. Let's see. Let's go to Liam first. And Liam, thanks for messaging in, mate. Much appreciated as always. He said, he's seen a couple of similar comments on here. Probably should have started at the top. But I think our starting <laughs> 11 is good enough. However, we need to shift players like Downing and Morris and bring in another centre midfielder and left back. Maybe not a centre-back this window, but definitely at the start of the next one. We have to get automatic promotion. I love how professional this podcast is. Love it. <laughs> Um, I agree with him in yeah for the most part I think I think yeah we need left back cover for Brown Brown's look good this season I am a fan um, I think a few people have been converted uh, to that sort of school of thought I think he's solid enough to do a job but I do think he needs competition with Pring having gone um, and then yeah potentially a centre midfielder I think what the centre midfield at the moment is generally what Naylor Cannon Close Morris are probably the four um, I don't think I've missed anyone tell me if I have and I'd probably say that Close is in the form where you'd want to rely on him week in, week out in the league. Same for Morris. So we're kind of dependent on Naylor and Cannon there. So, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Chris Harris replied to him. He said, good idea, but not in the Eisner's vision. League one for them is fine, as the last three years show. Come on, Chris. Come I'm on, not mate. having that. I, I disagree. <laughs> I'm not having that. I mean, I know that there's this whole... Oh, they just want to let us sit in League One. All that. I'm coming off the fence here for a change. You don't get to be the professional businessman with that level of success if you are satisfied with mediocrity. And League One is mediocre. And yeah, you you just don't see it. It's the same with professional sportsmen who get to that point. These are people playing at the highest level and like and people who are extremely successful in business in and outside of sport and in sort of media as a whole, you don't get to that point without being competitive and wanting to be the best. So that combined with the money they put into the club, I, I don't buy that. I never have and I never will. Will Frist messaged in. Cheers, Will. And he says, two or three, we certainly need a left back and a centre midfielder. I'd personally hope to shift Downing or Morris to get another forward in too. Yeah, I'm... I mean, were we not top... Well, last time I looked, but I suppose other teams have played since then. We were top scorers in the league. I mean, I don't... With Marquis Harrison, Hibula, and then obviously, you know, you've got Hannes Williams, Curtis Jacobs all can chip in as well. I don't I don't know if we need a forward. I know it's competition's good, but I think if we have too many attacking players, pressure on rotation, either people aren't going to get played and they're going to get annoyed, or we're going to be rotating so much that people don't get that match fitness and the match or the the day-to-day or match-to-match, getting used to being in that 
competitive environment for me. But I can see where he's coming from for sure. Sam Price agrees. He says, I think we need a strong midfielder and a proven striker. Andy, do you think this proven striker thing, this is actually not an isolated case of this. This is actually a, a, a sort of a common theme with you know a certain percentage of the listeners. Do you think that this is because Marquez is on a bit of a gold drought and suddenly from top scorer in League One, people are thinking, who's going to score the goals? And when you watch the Bristol City game, you had everything there apart from it didn't go in the back of the net. But I don't think that's because we need to go and buy out a whole new striker, personally. It's just one of those things. And strikers are streaky, especially when they're in League One. Yeah, I think if if you're looking at us getting... If, if you're saying, is this squad ready to compete in the championship, then possibly not. And potentially I would agree with that. And yeah, we would need a a championship-proven goal scorer with you know, experience in that league. And we don't really have that at the moment. Obviously, Harrison played there for a bit with Ipswich, but in a very poor Ipswich side. Um, having said that, the question is, is this enough to get promoted from League One? Right, That was the wording of the question. And for me, the goal-scoring services we've got are enough for that. As I say, you look down the, the list of players, Curtis Jacobs, Harness, Williams, um, Naylor, only from 25 yards plus, Cannon, Marquis, Harrison, Hiwula, who's looking sharp as well in the last couple of games. There's a lot of goal-scoring options there, you know. Um, and Lee Brown's due again, so... <laughs> Stop putting a pound on it again, yeah? <laughs> every single week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't think we need that many more goal-scoring options in League One. If we go up, I think it might be a different story. I agree. And I think when we need to look at that though, Andy, we address that in the summer when we know where we are. Exactly. When we've sobered up from the promotion party, then then we deal with that. I'm never sobering off if we have a promotion party. I'm going going on the big one, mate, and staying like, out. I'm still absolutely smashed from the Cheltenham game. So <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong there. <laughs> Peter Third good messages in. Cheers, mate. He says, Yes, it has been for years. The issue is consistency and managerial decisions. We have proven many games this year that we're capable of holding our own with the automatic promotion. These players all know their capabilities. Go against the manager and know your worth when times get rough. I mean, I, it's not, we haven't just held our own against the promotion contenders. We've beaten Hull. We've beaten Ipswich. We've beaten Peterborough recently. We've beaten uh, we beat Lincoln away. Obviously, Charlton was a bit of a reality check. Beaten Sunderland. We've not just held our own against the promotion contenders, we've beaten most of the other prote- uh, promotion contenders. If, on paper, all these players are promotion standard players at this level, you'd say, looking at particularly the attacking side of our team. So yeah, over the course of the season, I, I'm, I'm putting out there, I think we're going up this season. I do. I think this is the season we're going to go up because of the players we've got and the fact that we're beating the teams around us where we maybe struggled to previously. Tom King messages in. He said, is it good enough to stay up? Would we need a massive overhaul? I think he means the championship, surely. He must mean the championship. He must think oh. when we're going up, the, yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Tom, we'll get there in the summer. I'm assuming you're talking <laughs> about the time championship. Jack Chapman messages in. Cheers, Jack. He says, now we're out of the cups and the league is the focus. I do believe we're good enough. After all, we've had three weeks off and we're still within a shout of the automatics. Yeah, exactly. Teams around us have dropped points. The, since we last played, in general, the results have been pretty good. Um, Charlton, we look better now, don't we, than we actually did when we were top at Christmas. From yeah, a level, in terms of games in hand, etc. Yeah. yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, um, yeah. Charlton have dropped quite a few points. Hull are obviously on a bit of a slide in general, including our game against them. 
Sunderland gone off a cliff, Ipswich struggling. Um, Paul Lambert is probably the only person on the planet who's loving life that there aren't any fans at football because they had, what, one game back against us and he got absolute pelters and things have got arguably worse since then. Yeah, the teams around us are dropping points. I'm hopeful that Lincoln will have a a tough spell at some point in the season. It's it's rare to go through a whole season without that tough spell. I mean, objectively, you'd say punching above their weight a little bit in terms of the size of the club, etc. You'd hope that the pressure would get to them a little bit. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. They're there because they deserve to be. But in terms of size of club, they are punching at the moment. Um, so you'd say all the sort of the cards are lining up a little bit at the moment. And that's a dangerous level of positivity from us. But I'm throwing it out there. Do you think that it's inevitable that Lincoln would get promoted ahead of us purely down to the fact they've got Michael Appleton as their manager? Nah, I don't believe in <laughs> fate and all that rubbish. You make your own luck. You make your own life for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, You've I, I got the Viking opinion. I, they're a team that I'd actually quite like to see go up to the championship because it's nice to see that. But I'd like them to go up behind us. But yes. I would like them to take that second spot instead of someone like Sunderland, Charlton or Ipswich or Peterborough, who it, even when we don't go up, it's still quite satisfying to see them not go up either. Exactly. Get in line, Lincoln, you're second. Ben Jones messages in. He says, absolutely, yes, it is. Get out of that one, Kenny. Because then can Kenny mess it up, I'm guessing. Phil Green, no good. Back up if a few injuries or bans are incurred. That was proven last night. Well, I think that's okay. I think that's a fair that's fair enough. I think we've and other people have come on to, to discuss this in a little bit more detail, Andy. It's all about depth, isn't it? Is it about the actual squad? Because Marcus messages in and he says the first choice eleven, yes. The squad overall, is it is it fuck? Just take that as a no, he said in brackets. Thanks for the uh, the sort of confirmation. I mean, no, we need that. I don't think we wouldn't have picked up on it otherwise. I'd it can be that. cryptic, mate. I, I do like the way the markets <laughs> elaborated on that one. Cheers, mate. But no, the fact is, though, let's be honest here, the starting 11, we know they're good, don't we? COVID makes us a really unpredictable season with squad, with players, managing their fitness, etc. And you're going to need that squad depth. I mean, let's be honest, Andy, we need to go out and get a few players, don't we? Oh, I don't know if I agree. You can say that about any, any club in the championship, pretty much. That's right, in League One, I think. I, yeah, I agree. Squad depth, obviously vital. Who picks up fewest injuries, fewest suspensions over the season might well make the difference in March, April, May. But you can't just have five amazing players in every position. It doesn't, you know, salary cap means that doesn't work. You've got to prioritise where you put most of your money in the side. Um, and yeah, and for, I, we're, not, and it, Andy, we're not looking for five amazing players. 70% of the listeners want one to two new additions to the squad now. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I agree mm. with that. That's not not what you just said. You said about how we the first eleven. Yeah, we need a, a ton more depth or whatever the word. Well, you what just, you said you just said this guy just says Marcus says the squad overall is it fuck? Just take that as a no. He means the squad depth. I mean, I don't know how many he wants to add. I'm that's saying what I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. What Marcus is getting at there is is not one to two players, is it? I agree with one to two players, but mm. Marcus's comment there, I'm I'm assuming from what he said there that he thinks we need more than one to two players. He did say just take that as a no in brackets, so maybe that is the case, and I'm just taking it too positively. <laughs> Lee Richards messages in. He's nice and positive. He says, yep, in capitals, and then just says, play at Pompey. Mate, short, sweet. We can get through lots of them in every, every Never podcast. in doubt there. Never in doubt, Lee. <laughs> Love that, mate. Please message in next week. <laughs> Richie Barnes messages in, and this isn't, this isn't as uh, short as, um, as Lee Richards. 
but I appreciate the time to send this in. He says, as I posted yesterday, if any of Naylor, Raggett and Watmore get injured and miss anything, more than a couple of games, we're in trouble. Because the backups are so out of form from hardly playing for months, I don't think we'll see any potential replacements wanting to come and sit on the bench either because of Kenny Jackett's lack of rotation policy. Let's hope we don't get any injuries to those three linchpins. I mean, yeah, with the Naylor, I do agree. I think I've already said that that sort of centre midfield position, I think we're lacking a little bit of depth. Um, yeah. In terms of Raggett, what more? I mean, we've got three, to me, good standard starting centre-backs. Um, again, you could make an argument for one more. I mean, Jacket obviously likes having four in the squad, which is why um, Downing's there as well. So, yeah, it might be that Downing goes out and there's a like-for-like replacement rather than a left-back. But I definitely agree with the field comment. Um, but it is going to be a case of, yeah, who keeps fit and who doesn't get suspended. <laughs> so me, Freddie and, and Sam went into the transfer episode. We, we spoke about all the different central midfielders, the left-backs, etc. that we wanted to get in. I've got a question for you. It's not necessarily based on who in particular you want, Andy, but it's the type of player you want. Do you think Pompey needs to go out and make what I'm going to call a statement signing in midfield, which is basically a Ben Thompson, um, a Lowry from Crew, or someone like that, a Rathbone from Rochdale? These are all players that will demand, you know, decent transfer fees, anything from six hundred thousand to I don't know, one and a half, two million. Um, that's the sort of money that people are talking about for different players there now. Do we need to go out and do that? Or do we need to do what I'm going to call going out and getting a player on loan? So someone like Jack Rolls on loan from Tottenham, who I think would provide good competition for Andy Cannon, has the same sort of skill set. Is that more what you think we need to get at left-back, at centre midfield? Or do we need to increase the quality of the starting eleven? Do you really think we'd get someone like Ben Thompson as a mark on a permanent deal, really? Do I think we'll get him? I don't know about that, Andy. I'm not, I'm not clued to know that, but... That is what the thing people are talking about for sure. So, Mill will want to sell him if they go. They want the money if they want really. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. See what I've done there is because I don't know the answer. I answered your question with a question. I know. Oldest trick you, in the book. I love um, that. Do you do you think we need to get a player to come in and start in the starting eleven as a midfielder, or do you think we just need someone who can provide competition? I would rather someone came in on a permanent deal. If you look at the ratio of loans that have worked out to to the number of loans that haven't worked out. There are obviously standouts that have been really successful. Case in point, Ben Thompson. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It would be nice to see. I mean, no fan doesn't like a good marquee signing, right? But um, hate him. <laughs> but it's a tough question. I feel like it's more realistic that we'll try and spread the resources a bit over a couple of positions and bring in solid options. Because as you say, if if this first 11, if we've just decided that our first 11 is good enough to get promoted, if that sounds like the general consensus, right? Maybe with one or two minor amendments to the squad, but it is good enough to get promoted. As a result, what you're really looking for there is depth and backup. And yeah, you're not going to get a marquee signing that comes and is happy to be that backup. And you don't necessarily want to make wholesale changes to a team that is scoring goals and is near the top of the league and was in a decent run of form before we started having games called off beating the teams around us top of the table um for me none of those players have done anything to deserve being dropped because they're near the, top of the league and they're winning games we'll see if Millwall are going to move him they've got to get someone in, in the first place so if they actually go and buy Alex Mowit from 
uh, Barnsley, which has been bounced around a bit, then you might think, actually, wait a second, they might be serious about actually selling him. Until that point, I don't think it's going to happen. But if they go and buy someone like Mowit from Barnsley, who's been talked about for about one and a half million, that's a sort of a like-like replacement, actually, from Millwall. So... Unless that happens, I don't see it happening. Anyway, moving on to the next person. Neil messages in on Facebook and he says, think all that's required to more than hold our own as a prolific goal scorer, as Marquis and Harrison are not up for the task. But then again, it's going to cost a bit to purchase the right one and I'm not a great believer of loan signings. Neil, we just discussed that already, but um, cheers for messaging in. Graham Brooke messaging, he says, we're almost there, but we need a clinical striker. Again, Ivan Tony, Marquis... Um, sorry, Ivan Tony style. Marcus and Harrison missed too many opportunities. Geordie could be the one that needs more game time up front. Perhaps harness the support up front with him. Naylor scoring goals. Marcus should be scoring. Sort that out. And I reckon we could hold our own in the championship. There's a lot to unpick there. But one thing I want to say about this, Andy, which is a little bit different to other people who messaged him. Marcus Harness, should he be deployed as the second striker up front? Oh, he's looked so good when he's been up there, hasn't he? Yeah, like, massively. It- I, I loved it when he was playing up top and he was so prolific. The, comment on, the comments on Marquis, I think, are quite harsh. He's the fourth highest goal scorer in League One. And over the course of the season, we say we want a 20-goal a season or 25-goal a season striker. And there's no reason that he can't be that this season. And whether or not that comes in a sort of a regular number of goals per game and you wait a certain amount of time, then he scores, then you wait the same amount of time and he scores or whether he scores an absolute bunch, then has a little drought, and scores a bunch and then has a drought, it still ends up at the end of the season with the number of goals. And yeah, he's he's obviously going through a slightly leaner spell now than he was. That's only because he was scoring so sort of a ridiculous amount just before. And yeah, he's still the fourth highest scorer in the league. So I think the comments on him there are a little bit harsh for me. Um, Hiwula's, yeah, he's looking really, really sharp. Um, first time I saw him play, I was a bit underwhelmed, that West Ham under-21s game. Um, but Every single game has been an improvement since then, and he's looked dangerous. What I would like to see happen, and this could be a case that if if Marcus is, you know, strikers are streaking in League One, or they would be playing regularly in the Championship, exactly. Sort of, they would be doing that. It's the same for attacking wingers, the likes of Curtis or Harness or whatever. They would be regular with their skill sets, players in the Championship, if they were that consistent all the time as fans want. So, hopefully, get promoted to the Championship. Then we don't have to worry about this, but. Let's have a look, though, because I want to see with Jordi Hawula. Kenny Jacker just needs to bring him on a bit earlier. If it comes down to, you know, letting him, like when he looked to Bristol City, I thought, bring him on. You know, you've got some time to to, to sort of like stretch his legs, etc. If he's deployed like that, I think he'll score some goals. Marquis will get it back. He'll come back to us. Russell doesn't agree. He says, let's hope we can because we won't spend in this window, but we need another striker if you ask me. Let me try and find someone, Andy, who's not doesn't want a new striker. It, does it surprise you how many people in these comments want us to go and buy a new striker? It, it's surprising me, to be honest. I should have pre-read it. Does, them, I yeah. I just think it's a it's a go-to, isn't it? It's a very it, it's a natural football fan thing to want a new striker because it's like that exciting goal scorer, and when they score their first goal for the club, and you're like, oh, that was a sick signing, and then they go on to score. Yeah, say 20 in a season and it's very exciting. But I think there are other priorities for me. But I think just saying you want a new goal-scoring striker, I don't think there's ever a time, no matter where you are in the league and no matter how successful your your season's going, where you don't want a nice, new, exciting goal-scoring striker. But I do think that attitude is... Like, if you, Yeah, we've talked about it a couple of times, but you look at um, 
Sunderland signing Will Grigg because they were desperate for a new exciting striker, forked out three times the amount they should have at least. And he kind of didn't really do a huge amount there. Or So, yeah, just buying in a big name doesn't always pay off. I think, and, and Jacket is generally fairly savvy with his money. I think that's one of his uh, one of his strengths for me. We don't need another striker, people. Right? That's my opinion. Oh, don't need another striker. Don't need another striker. Come on, let's just get the ball up front and let's create some more chances. As we've been doing, one of the top scoring teams in the league. We've got goals all across the squad. It's not reliant on the one person to score the goals for us. You know, John Marquis, for instance, he's had opportunities where he could have scored when Ryan Williams got his brace instead of tapping it in to keep everyone off his back. He set set it up nicely for Williams to get a goal. These are things. This is a team game. If the team is scoring, I'm happy. Right? Doesn't have to be just be the striker. That's my saying. That. Um, Rob Emery messages in. He says the squad needs strengthening. On last night showing, Rob, the squad doesn't need strengthening. On last night showing, last night was a game played by a bunch of the academy kids, so we can rest our main players for the rest of the season in the league. So, Peter Loveman messages in. Need to strengthen. Loads of games to be played. Again, mate, I do agree with you. We need to add a few players, hopefully one or two key players in key positions. Um, Barry Ansel messages in. He said, if it's not good enough by now, Jacket really does need to go. Don't need to focus on that right now, mate. Hashtag Jacket out, mate. Hashtag Jacket out. Get it trending on the pop in the PO forecast when we're third in the league. Stuart Hunt messages. <laughs> we just got to focus on the positives while it's going well, people. Stuart Hunt messages in. Yes, but we would have a horrid time in the championship if we don't get investment. Stuart, I agree with you, mate. But at the same time, we don't need to worry about the championship squad now. Let's worry about assembling a squad, which is good enough to get us to the championship. And then we can actually attract players who have the quality to play in the championship once we have an actual position in that league. Andy? I'm just enjoying you telling people on repeat why they're wrong. I'm just like, quite contentedly watching it, mate. <laughs> I don't disagree with people so often on the show, mate, to be honest. Ryan from Southsea, we need this. No, we don't, Ryan. You're an idiot. Tim <laughs> from Portsmouth. No, we don't need another striker, you idiot. Right, net. Love it. I'll be honest, yeah. Apologies if I fuck people off, but, you know, <laughs> I do strongly disagree with some of these comments. Steve Mack, sorry, no backup to the first 11, I'm afraid. Loads of games coming up thick and fast, all on heavier pitches as well. Going to be our undoing. Maybe some players during the transfer windows might make a difference, though. I think saying it's going to be our undoing is sort of a, quite a negative look forward uh, this is after I've just taken the mick out of you for disagreeing with every text I think it's yeah, it's a bit negative why would it be our undoing more than any other team's undoing it's going to be difficult yeah I agree heavy pitches in winter bad weather at the moment loads of like temperatures below zero games back to back I agree pitches are going to be heavy it's going to be difficult but that is the same for everyone and we get to spend a higher proportion of our time on good pitches because Fratton Park is gorgeous on the pitch compared to other teams who are going to have pitches let's say Accrington for example where I'll get off recently where they've got less ability to look after that pitch because they've got less funding mm. I'd say that they're going to be in more trouble because they're going to get more injuries because of uneven surfaces this that and the other because their pitch isn't as well maintained so for me I think we're in a slightly better position and I, I don't I think it's going to be our undoing is pessimistic yeah a little bit doomsday yeah yeah. Um, just I'm going to just take a pause here from and see if we can reflect on this because what I really want to look at really is the fact that 
are fans skeptical because of previous January transfer windows where it's perceived that Pompey have absolutely flopped, maybe not, you know, throwing a lot of money in, in January, etc. And I know that the club prefer to invest the money in the summer when you've got more time and it's probably you probably get better rates, etc. for players. Do you think that the club's maybe track record in January isn't great? And people see us in a great position now. We're looking good. They can see us a few obvious holes, centre midfield, left back, etc., which need strengthening. And they go, oh, we've seen this before. It's not going to happen. And the reason is because of their experiences in previous seasons. Yeah, absolutely. You judge your expectations based on your experiences. Yeah. Um, but having said that, halfway through the season, players that are available are probably going to be available because they're not playing first team at their club, which generally is going to mean that they're either not in form or, well, that's, that's going to be the main reason, or they're coming back from a long-term injury. So the January transfer window is really difficult. It's not a case of, ah, oh, we need a really good left-back. He's a really good left-back. Let's go in for him. Let's go in for him. Excellent. Signed. Jobs are good and tears up League One. It's not, you know, from my extensive experience on football manager, I, I can expertly say that um, it's not it's not that easy. Mm. And that's before you take in sort of the real world stuff at the moment of trying to get someone to move house to a new city, new community during um, everything that's going on at the moment. We're t- I don't think it's an easy time to to be signing players in January. It's, it's not as easy as it probably sounds when you first think about it. No. And David Higgins messages in. He says exactly the same thing. He says, playoffs, yes. Autos, no. January transfer window last two seasons being a disaster. It seems clear there's no big plans for one or other to always push on. So I think that's just people literally just having that. Yeah, but there, there aren't any big plans really in January because your January moves are reactionary to what has happened in September through December because you are reacting to injuries that have made holes in the squad, lone players that have been recalled. So yeah, it... Generally, I'd say that your January signings are going to be a short-term fix, whereas summer signings, you're like, right, let's look at the big picture. Let's look forward. What do we want to accomplish this season? How are we going to get there? January is, let's see what's happened so far. What's gone right? What's gone wrong? Let's try and fix what's gone wrong short-term, the, the acute response. Yeah. And to fire through a couple of people, Liam says yes. Rob says no. Alex says yes. Dirk says yes. That's what we're going to get to. All right, let's get into it. Fleetwood, they're in disarray, Andy. I don't know if you've heard about this, but iconic local legend Joey Barton has left the club with minimal reasons, apart from wants to do something else, it seems like. He's taken with him the director of football. He's taken the coaching staff with him as well. The only person that's left at the club to manage this new rudderless team is Simon Wiles, who obviously all you guys know about already. He's famous in the footballing world. But just in case you don't know about him, he's the club's youth boss who's taken over um, a role as of the manager, coaching, as well as some other responsibilities. Fleetwood are not on a great run of form at the moment which basically their running win was stopped by a draw against Pompey again when we played them in that awful game, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute, when the referee just went absolutely bonkers and booked everybody. They've carried on with two draws after that before losing in the EFL trophy to Hull. They, I think they were 3-0 up in that game, and they were at least 2-0 up, but then they went and blew it right at the end and Hull piled on the pressure um, and managed to knock them out the trophy. So Fleetwood are... There for the takings in that sense compared to Fleetwood usually, who Pompey do struggle against um, as, as far as those sides in the, around the top six go. Andy, they've lost Joe Barton. 
they've lost Ched Evans. First of all, how's the town coping without those two local legends and heroes? And secondly, do you think that's going to have a massive impact on how Fleetwood approach the game against Pompey? We're really going for the whole uh, non-controversial approach there. I like it. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, Joey Barton's moral, high ground, ethical icon himself uh, is obviously a massive loss to the town. You hate to see such a nice bloke disappear from his job. It's it's upsetting. Um, he has all my sympathy. Uh, what a horrible bloke. Um, and I'm not commenting on the other one because <laughs> just, there's a whole podcast on that. Yep. Anyway, um, I think you're pretty accurate in what you say about them being sort of vulnerable at the moment. As as you say, they were they were two 0 up about twenty years ago against Hull in the in the league trophy last night. Um, coming off the back of a couple of yeah results against Fleetwood, uh, sorry, they are Fleetwood against Crew and Wigan, a couple of one all draws. Um, and before that was their game with us, which again was a, a draw. So it's not the most exciting football. There's a lot of one nils, one alls, nil nils going on. Um, they don't actually, score a lot of goals, do they? And they just lost Chad Evans. No, just looking apart from the, I'm just looking at their results now. I just got it up on my screen. Apart from the Football League trophy game last night, they haven't scored two in a game since 21st of November when they beat Argyle 5 1. So, yeah, you wouldn't think that they're. A huge threat going forward. Famous last words announced 4 0 to Fleetwood. Um, but you, you think they're like mentally gettable at at the moment. As you say, they're in a bit of disarray behind the scenes. If you can get on top early on, it's like said about a couple of games this season against teams that you'd say are vulnerable. If you get on top early on and score that early goal and pile all pressure on, it's exactly what we said about the Ipswich game. They're, they're very beatable. And again, this is one of those games at the end of the season, if you look back and you haven't won it, and then you've missed out on promotion by 1.2 points, that's why um, games like this. They're down in, what, 11th in the table? Um, they've only scored, I think it's 15. Sorry, they've scored 28, conceded 18. Um, so it's not the most exciting. It's not, not the best goal difference. I mean, on paper, they're just... An average they're very league. average, aren't they? They're Just very average. average looking I mean, at this. They're bog standard yeah. league one. Yeah, and they, they like to slow games down. I'm hoping for their sake, just for their fans' sake. I mean, apart from that awful goal music they play at their place, um, the fans generally, this must be awful to watch is what I'm trying to say. They've got a team with some players in who are quite exciting. Callum Camps, who me, you and Freddie have been banging on about for the last couple of years. Pompey to go and sign... Um, in attacking midfield for Peanuts from Rochdale. He's moved into the attacking midfield. They play a 4-2-3-1 formation, for anyone who doesn't know that already, from playing down the years. Camps plays in central attacking midfield. He is the man to shut down. He is, he is the, the talisman for them. He's got eight goals this season um, for them already. So obviously he can score from those positions, but he also likes to set up the wide men from there. They've lost quality at the back. They lost Harry Souter as well from last season. Probably fans are more aware of them. Obviously, he's still at Stoke, Pompey target, Harry Souter, if you want to say it that way. But looking at this team now, Andy, this looks like an average team. And this looks like the team that I think Pompey, whose away form is pretty good at the moment, should go over there and teach a lesson to. Let's go bat a Fleetwood. Andy, what's your score prediction? You reckon we're going to bat these boys? Um, I batter as in there'll be lots of yellow cards, quite possibly. There was, what, eight last time out. I think it'll be fairly bad-tempered. 
which I'm all right with. Love a scrappy League One game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I, I'll go two one Pompey, possibly three one Pompey, because I think they are not as good a side as they were twelve months ago, twenty four months ago for me. And they don't really seem to score more than one goal, so I think that's a good shout from from you on that. They do are a bit of a uh, a bit of a threat from set pieces. I know Charlie um, Mulgrove at the back as well. He he likes to get his head on head on stuff as well. So I think in the last game against Crew, they had ten chances, five of which came from set plays. So it's one of those things that we should look out for that they will try and pile the box on corners, on free kicks, and stuff like that. But with Raggett at the back, with Watmore you know, if they both play, I'm pretty confident that any sort of lofted high balls into the box, the sort of thing that Hull were trying to hoof into the box and stuff, we can mop those up and clear up with them as long as we stay concentrated. Andy, I'm going to go wild with this and I'm going to say that Pompey come out with a 1-0 win against Fleetwood, but it's going to be one of those that could have been a 2-3-0 or win, fairly comfortable and uh, yeah, we'll shut Fleetwood down. I don't have any faith in that without Chad Evans. I don't really think that um, Paddy Madden's going to come out and score yeah. against us again. All right. Have we missed anything or is that pretty much it? I think all the major stuff. Shout out to Ellis Harrison's absolute banger against Peterborough. Absolute, yeah, beautiful, oh. beautiful finish. Um, maybe slight deflection, but yeah, absolute banger. Pity it was at 5-0 down, but... Um, oh, one second. That, mate. The EFL Trophy are finally going to turn around and give us our money back, people. So sorry for anyone who's holding out any hope about us being able to attend the game at Wembley. I don't know when you thought that was going to be held, 2022. But unfortunately, that's not happening. But we are getting our money back. Have a look on the club website if you want to see what the information is. Andy, that means I sadly have to pay you £20 back. Really? Oh, sick! I, that's great news. I didn't, I didn't know I bought your ticket. I'd forgotten that. I'm glad you mentioned. Well, it. I yeah, I got the tickets, but um, I haven't checked if you paid me. But I assume you did, so I'll give you your money yeah. back. Excellent. Oh, winning at life. Yeah, it's a it's a pity, but I think well, we're going to have the record for like the longest holders of a trophy and shortest holders of a trophy because we've we've got it at the moment for that trophy and the FA Cup, right? Yeah. Uh, it was what six years for World War Two, and still holding on to um, <laughs> after that the, uh, the win against Sunderland. So. Yeah, we'll just have the trophy for about a week and then give it back, if that. That's great. And to be honest, since it's called the Papa John's Trophy, I reckon that's what's happened. I think Kenny Jackett's been like, do you know what? Checker trade wasn't great. Leasing.com was pretty enough. But Papa John's, you're having a laugh, right? Get the U squad out there. Don't want that. We'll go win the win the last one and then hand it back. Yeah, it's not as if we've got Domino's doing bits for us, is it? Like, yeah, who would be sponsored by a pizza company? Exactly. At least he's loyal. He's loyal to Domino's. That's all it is. That's it. That's it. Domino's probably came into the club and were like, oi, this Papa John's trophy. Get man. out. Get yeah, out. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> and on that great note, Pompey fans, I think we've come to the end of the show. So until next time, play up, Pompey. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now, available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!